Another day, another cemetery safari, Jeff. Yeah, we find ourselves in plenty of New England boneyards, don't we? We do. So today we're in Dummerston Center Cemetery in Dummerston, Vermont. It's a pretty good-sized cemetery. If I had to guess, there's maybe 817 graves here. <laughs> 817 graves. That's incredibly specific. Yeah, well, I looked it up before we got here. Well, well still, it's, it's a lot of burials to get through. Oh, all right. Who are we looking for? So the good news is we're looking for the Spalding family. So not just one grave, but a bunch of graves in a row, all with the same family name. The Spalding family. Got it. That should make them a little easier to find. This is the older part of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing early 1800s graves here. Yep. Oh, and some uh, late 1700s. Hey, 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 look, there they are. Yeah, I, I, I see it. There's about a dozen of them in a row. This is the spot, Ray. Ground zero for a sinister story of a horrible vine that ran from one grave to the next as members of the Spalding family were buried. As the vine reached the last grave, they say the next Spalding turned into a vampire and then soon died. We're in Vermont exploring the curse of the Dummerston Cemetery Vine. Hello, I'm Jeff Belanger, and welcome to episode 310 of the New England Legends podcast. And I'm Ray Osher. Thanks for joining us on our mission to chronicle every legend in New England one story at a time. We're always looking for odd history, haunts, ghosts, monsters, UFOs, aliens, roadside oddities, and all the other weirdness that makes New England like no other place. Most of our story leads come from you, so please reach out to us anytime through our website. We love hearing from you and appreciate when you subscribe and post a review for us. It's free. We don't want you to miss a thing. We'll go digging into the curse of the Dummerston Cemetery Vine right after this quick word from this sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. So we're on the hunt for vampires and some evil underground cursed vine in Dummerston, Vermont. Yeah, that we are. 
This must be the fourth or fifth vampire story we've covered over the years. Yeah, vampires do keep coming up, but this one's a little different. This one hinges on a sinister subterranean route, focusing on one family and hunting them down. That's so creepy. It is, literally. So take a look at some of these Spalding graves. Let's see. Mary Spalding Lawton, 1761 to 1792. Yikes. She was only 31 when she died. Right. Leonard Spalding, 1760 to 1792. He was only 32. Timothy Spalding, 1765 to 1785, and he was only 20. Josiah Spalding, 1770 to 1798, 28 years old. Reuben Spalding, 1756 to 1794. He made it to 38 years old. They all died so young, Jeff. You could say it was unlucky uh, that they were the victims of a plague, but others suggest maybe they were being hunted by some preternatural underground force, an evil that was picking off the Spaldings one after the other. And to find out what happened, let's head back to 1798 and meet the Spalding family. It's late November of 1798 here in Dummerston, Vermont. There's a chill in the air that makes it clear winter is coming. At the home of the Spalding family, the mood is grayer than the looming storm clouds outside. 27-year-old Josiah Spalding is gravely ill. (coughs) The young father of two is very sick. For his mother, Margaret, who lives with Josiah and his wife... This is more than her heart can take. She believes maybe her family is cursed. All right, a little more about the Spalding family. Josiah's father, Leonard Spalding, was a lieutenant in the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. He was born in Westford, Massachusetts. He married Margaret Love in 1756, and the couple moved to Vermont. The two had 11 children. The trouble began in 1782 when their daughter, Molly Spalding Lawton, became ill. and died from consumption. She was 20 years old and had only been married a year. She was buried in the family plot in the town cemetery. Then the following year in 1783, 14-year-old Esther Spaulding got sick (coughs) and died. Two years later, in 1785, 20-year-old Timothy Spaulding got sick, (coughs) died, and was buried in the family plot. Three years later in 1788, the patriarch, Lieutenant Leonard Spaulding, takes ill. And he too dies from consumption. Because the cemetery where his children were buried was soaked with water, he was buried east of the hollow with no stone to mark his final resting place. In 1790, Betsy Spaulding Stevens dies at age 30. 1792, 32-year-old Leonard Spaulding Jr. dies. In 1793, 27-year-old John Spaulding dies. In 1794, Reuben Spaulding dies. He was 37. So here we are in 1798. We've got poor Josiah, who seems to be on his deathbed. And his mother, Margaret, having already buried her husband and eight of her children over the last 16 years, is beyond distraught. She feels her family is cursed. And pretty soon, friends and neighbors start to wonder if maybe they are. It's now December 3rd. It's clear that Josiah is near the end of his journey. As he takes his last breath, his mother sobs. (laughs) As funeral arrangements are being made, Martha visits the cemetery where Josiah will be buried. As she sees the row of family headstones growing yet again with the addition of Josiah, that's when someone whispers something to Margaret. Vampire. Vampire. 
Just one word, but a word with weight. A word that dates back to the old country. A word that means maybe there's a chance someone in her family is a vampire and preying on the living. There's only one way to know for sure. They need to dig. The family knows this idea is crazy, but they're desperate. So they dig into the ground at Dummerston Cemetery and start digging up the bodies of their dead family members. They need to check for signs of a vampire. But how would they know? Well, first, they're going to be looking for signs that the body isn't decomposing. If the body still looks fresh, that's a sure sign of a vampire. This is awful work. Yeah. Digging up loved ones who have been buried for years just to look at their corpse. It's bad enough to bury your children. How will Margaret ever get the sight of their rotting corpses out of her head? When the grave diggers get about six feet down, they see something strange. Jeff, look at that. Yeah. There's a black tree root that seems to be entangled around the coffin. The men continue digging, following the root to the next spalding grave. This grave is covered in the black tree root, too. I don't even see a nearby tree. This is really unsettling. More digging, and more of this sinister black root following along the row of spalding graves. When the black root engulfs one grave, it means another spalding is going to die. Reuben was the last to perish four years ago, and his casket is now engulfed in the black root. With Josiah gone, Margaret believes their only hope to break this curse is to destroy the black root. The gravediggers and family chop and saw at the black roots, pulling them away from each spalding casket. The work lasts most of the day until Margaret is satisfied this evil root is dead and removed. And, just to be sure, the family cuts into Josiah's chest cavity and removes his vital organs from his body. They burn the organs in a nearby fire. The Spaldings are determined to break this vampire spell. With Josiah's body committed to the ground and his organs burned, the family can only go home and wait and see if the curse is truly broken. And that brings us back to today. The next Spalding child to die occurred in 1841. Sarah Spalding Wilder was 78 years old. Olive Spalding Mixer died in 1842 at the age of 69. And Anna Spalding Layton died in 1849 at the age of 81. So it would seem that maybe the curse was lifted after Josiah? Maybe. Margaret Spalding died in 1827 at the age of 93. If anything, she may have been the most cursed. I mean, to live that long and have to bury her husband and eight of her children. That had to be rough. Most of what we know about this story comes from the 1884 book, The History of the Town of Dummerston by David Lufkin Mansfield. Now, the book didn't say much beyond the vine that grew from grave to grave and how the vine was destroyed and the vitals of the last to die were removed and burned. A headstone for Lieutenant Leonard Spaulding was placed here later by the Daughters of the American Revolution. His headstone reads, L. Spaulding, Vermont Military, Revolutionary War. Headstones and graves don't tell much of a story on their own, but when you look down the line of Spaldings and check those dates, you realize something horrible happened to this family. In this case, they were struck by a pandemic called consumption, better known today as tuberculosis, a plague that wiped out sections of towns and decimated families. I mean, some families were untouched, and with others, they all perished. And when the world is crumbling around you, you can't help but look for some kind of order in the chaos. Exactly. Instead of blaming the losses on a contagious bacteria, you look for a monster or a vampire. If you lost that many family members, it's really not a stretch to suggest you're being hunted by a monster. Though the remedy sounds barbaric to us, it worked. 
there was a cause and effect. Destroy the tree root and burn the vital organs of the last to die, and no more family members died from consumption. Word spreads about the remedy, how the vampire was vanquished, and the next time a plague strikes out at a family, they can't help but turn to old methods out of fear of loss and love for the sick they care about. So true. When there's a plague, we sometimes lose our ability to be rational. Sounds familiar? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) And that takes us to After the Legend, where we dig a little deeper into this week's story. After the Legend is brought to you by our mighty Patreon patrons, who are the backbone of the New England Legends podcast. Bringing you a new story each week takes a lot of time and money. Our patrons understand that great content isn't free, so we appreciate them so very much. Most people won't step up, so we appreciate it when you do. It's just three bucks per month, and for that you get early access to new episodes, plus bonus episodes and content no one else gets to hear. Head over to patreon.com slash New England Legends to sign up. And if you want to see some pictures of the... Uh, the graves. You can click on the episode description or go to our website and click on episode 310. So many vampires, so little time. So many vampires. This is our sixth vampire story. Demon we- Vampire of Manchester, Vermont. Yep. 186, if you want to go back and listen. Right. The Vampires of Griswold, Connecticut, 170. The Vampire of Cumberland, Rhode Island, 129. Mercy Brown, the Rhode Island Vampire, in 80, uh, episode 84. And a Vampire in Woodstock, Vermont, episode 8. Yeah, we've covered a Did few we, vampires. We missed Massachusetts. Any yeah. vampires in Massachusetts that you know of? I think we're yes. going to have to hit up one. So. Yes, there's one. It's um, There's not much of a story there. I only know about it because of um, Michael Bell's book, Food for the Dead. Mm. Uh, he's been with us before. He's uh, It's a great book if you're into the stories of the New England vampires. Um, there, there, there's In Plymouth, I know there's there's a story. It's mm. just not as over the top as some of these other ones. But we need Maine too. Maine, yep, yeah. we'll we'll work on it. But so plagues have hit before, as we know. And when COVID hit, we started doing more vampire stories because they <laughs> seem so highly relevant. That's right. Yeah, you know, suddenly you're just like, oh, you know, this is this has happened before. But we weren't running around in 2020 accusing people of being vampires. We weren't quite there yet, but we were on our way. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people that suck, but yeah. it, they, they weren't necessarily vampires. Yeah. So so back then, you know, they would dig up bodies, they would burn the vital organs, they would, you know, take all kinds of drastic measures. Mm. And in our pandemic, uh, had, had only they known, you just had to hoard toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it saved everything, everything. That's the cure. If you have enough, if you surround yourself with enough toilet paper, <laughs> then the germs can't get to you, which that's just science. Right. Yeah. Um, Whoa. What was I going to say? Uh, never mind. I had something in my yeah. head, Sorry. and your joke threw me off. Please Sorry. don't be funny. No, forgive me. We were talking about serious stuff, which is pandemics and plagues, and uh, they've been. We can look before. back and laugh now, right? At the our pandemic. Uh, yeah, I think sort we're of. Pretty much there. Yeah, not the deaths, obviously. Do, do you Jesus. remember it? Like, um, I don't. I, I really don't. I don't have any memories of of the year we spent indoors. No, and we were indoors. I we mean, were. there was a good chunk of time that we mm-hmm. could not go to restaurants. Yeah. I Got remember. our takeout. Yeah. I remember bits and pieces. I remember uh, Pepperoncini's in Milford. You know that. We've been yeah. there. Uh, they started doing takeout right away. Yeah. They had the table. They had the masks. Everything. It was great. And you could only one at a time. Mm-hmm. So they jumped right on. I remember that. I remember the first couple of weeks being happy about it. Like, this is great. Yeah. We're, all, we're all just, it's a big uh, you know, slumber party yeah. or a snow day. Yeah. yeah. And then it got a little old. And then I, re- I remember, you know, who's going to go out and get the, the milk this week. Right. The grocery shopping, which right. was such an ordeal. Yeah. And Molly was compromised. Or no, she, wasn't, yeah. oh, she wasn't compromised, but she uh, 
she was, um, what do you call it? When you are compromised, or you could be compromised. Yeah. I mean, going whatever. through something. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So she couldn't really go out and do much. Yeah. She did get COVID. Annie got COVID. I got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really remember. Yeah. That, that year is just sort of this blur. I remember oh, like. Oh, I'm sorry. Tiger King. I remember Tiger King. <laughs> that, he got us through a couple of weeks there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Thank God for him that yeah. that show came out during COVID. That was the first bingeable show. Do you think that if had that show come out, say, today? I mean, I don't think we'd watch it. I don't think we'd yeah. care. I think we would watch it, but it wouldn't be as big. Yeah. I mean, that became a cultural phenomenon. We all knew it. Pop culture. Yeah. yeah. We all knew it for sure. Oh, and Zooms with friends. We yep. would drink on a Tuesday night and watch and, and talk to each other. Or a Wednesday morning. Or a Wednesday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Either it didn't way. really matter. What was the difference? Drinking. I remember yeah. the drinking. A lot of drinks. That's probably why we don't remember that year uh, of that, that plague. But, you know, these things do happen. They've happened before. And yeah. uh, the, the point is... You can say it's completely irrational to dig up graves, look at your your dead children from like six, eight Ugh. years ago, yeah. and say like, I, I seriously think one of them could be a vampire. So dig up my child, let me open the casket, take a look at their body, see if there's you know some sign in there that they're a vampire, and if so, we're going to burn the body. Right. I, I mean, think of the point you have to get to where that makes sense. And I'm not calling these people crazy or stupid or rubes or anything, but they were desperate. Sure. They're, and they were scared. That's the last straw I would yeah. think. Like, so uh, I've, I've told this story before, but my, my mom's best friend when I was in high school uh, had had breast cancer, beat it, and it came back. <laughs> and she was a devout Roman Catholic, and she said her brother was a priest. She's like, I want to go to Lourdes, France and bathe in the, the water, the water that gives people miracles. Yeah. And I want you to go with me, she said to my mother. So my mom and her priest brother took her to France and they went to Lourdes and she was very, this woman was very frail at the mm. time. You know, she was wasting away. There wasn't much left to her. And they put her in the water and she screamed because it was so cold and she has nothing, no meat on her bones mm. to, to warm her up. And she's like, I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to get my miracle. And, uh, you know, she came home and she prayed and she went to church and all that other stuff. And, and she passed away anyway. Um, but what a lot, of, and, and no one begrudges her this, and I'm not making fun of her, and I don't want that to come across as, yeah. at all, uh, but she needed a miracle, and if you, you don't need to be a doctor, you could have looked at her and said, yes, you do. That's that's what we're at now. You do need a miracle. And she believed in her faith enough that if I go there, if I go to this place in France I've never been to, but I hear miracles happen, I bathe in this water, I will be healed. Mm. And she brought that home, and you know, it, it, it didn't Maybe it, didn't it gave her out. a couple more weeks, a couple more months. Who knows, right? Made Who her knows? feel better. I it, mean, yeah, but what a lot of trouble. Now, that's not anywhere like digging up corpses and burning <laughs> right. them, but it, you know, it's yeah. a lot of trouble to Absolutely. fly across an ocean and a lot of money and, and so on. Um, but she did it, and my mom went with her and, and was grateful for the experience, even though, you know, we didn't get the outcome we all wanted. Well, there you go. I mean, if anything, they got an experience out of it, they traveled sure. together. Yeah. And then, your mom has a story. Yep. And they've got a story to tell. So it's not that odd when you are desperate when mm. someone you care about or yourself is in such a bad way that you're like well the doctors have said i can't do any more for you there's nothing we've done what we can we've done the chemo and the radiation so yeah whatever's left in your wheelhouse you know whether it's prayer or miracles or you know vampires mm. um now it's up to you and it's easy to make fun of folks that that got to this point until it's you 
right. until you're the one that's like with your sick child and right. saying, I'm desperate. I would try absolutely anything. Can't figure out what happened yep. here. Doctors don't know, but they said, this is it. And so I think that's, that's something that you have to sort of put it into context. And it was easy for people who never got COVID mm-hmm. to make fun of like, no, I don't even know anyone who died from it. Right. Well, some people did yeah. you know people who died from it and cared about them very much. Right. And some people were saying, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm not going to get treated. And they died. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, the thing about plagues is they are indiscriminate. They don't seek out right. <laughs> liberals or conservatives or <laughs> right. black or white or yeah. whatever. They are just where they are. And and that that random act of chaos is so frightening to us that we want to think that someone's in charge of it. Right. That someone is pulling. We, we need pulling somebody to blame. Right. Someone's pulling the strings. This is a secret government program. Right. It's not, it's, you know, it's in its, uh, they're, they're hunting out specific groups of people to give this to. And right. you're like, that's just not how viruses work. Fire. No. And they've been around forever. Forever. And we still haven't learned. We yeah. still think they're man-made. Yeah. I mean, biological warfare, it's a thing. Sure. Yeah. But sometimes it's just a plague. Sometimes they just get around, you know? And so that's, um, that's sort of the lesson I think of a lot of these stories. And, and we just hope that we will get to the point again where we would, you would think rational minds would prevail, but we went through one mm. and we did all did sort of crazy things, you know, whether it was turned to alcoholism or, <laughs> or, or whatever it was. Divorce. It, divorce. Yeah. People got divorced. People yeah. got married. People were alone. Oh, that was yeah. sad. Oh, and then course. depression sets in. Mm-hmm. So mentally, a lot of people suffered. Absolutely, they did. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I never thought of that because I had my family. Right. And I liked being around them. Mm-hmm. So I, I went through that okay without any scratches. Right. But I also know people that are like, I'm on Facebook. I am so lonely right now. Yeah. I'm like, s- oh my God, you're all by yourself. Yeah. Single, n- not, yeah. Uh, no partner, no nothing. And yeah. maybe they, because there was one place, uh, ever, I knew like, 30 people that would hang out there every single night because right. that's where their friends were. Yeah. And then that goes away and now you're not seeing your friends. Right. You had a family outside of the house and now you can't even see them. We're social animals. We need each other. Uh, whether you want to believe it or not, we really do. And got to look out for each other a little bit. And, um, and sometimes uh, we look for some order mm. when we're swimming in a sea of chaos. Be sure to check out my other podcast, Don't Quit Your Day Job, where I interview local musicians about all things music. And be sure to tell a friend or two about the New England Legends podcast. You are how we grow and find new stories. It takes a community to do this, and we're grateful that you're a part of it. Thanks to our sponsors. Thank you so much to our Patreon patrons. And our theme music is by John Judd. Until next time, remember, the bazaar is closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs>